Today is Father's Day. <laughs> you know, and I, uh, I personally think that Father's Day should be every day of the year. Father's Day should be every... Thank you so much. You may be seated. I think Father's Day... Thanks, first team. I think Father's Day should be every day of the year. And just before you ask, I, I think Mother's Day should be every day of the year too. So we should always be celebrating our parents. Um, because it's a blessing. You know, as long as... Um, as long as they gave you life, and I put it like that, they gave you life, there's reason to celebrate because there are many that are taking away the lives. But as long as they gave you life, it's cause to celebrate. Thanks to Pastor. Um, he's on vacation right now and well needed, and we, we, we're excited that he's taking this time, uh, that he's... Um, um, you know, I said earlier that this corona season, it's been... Um, it's very intense. It's been very intense for pastors because with, with any pandemic or with any chaotic moment, uh, people turn to the scriptures and they turn to God. It, it, all, it, all, it, all, it has always happened. And so because of that, their work has quadrupled, you know. And so it's, uh, it's good for him to take this time. And then when he comes back, we'll be excited to have him back as well. Uh, so let's just keep praying for him. Um, I want to... Uh, for the next, I think, I didn't do that earlier, but I want to do it this right now. I want to pray for a few individuals. You know, Marsha mentioned that her brother will be having surgery and maybe a few others. So let me just pray quickly. Lord, we thank you for the needs that are present in our congregation. There are probably many right here before me, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus, like your word declares that you are that father. As a matter of fact, you, knows our need, you know our needs before we even mention it. And today, Father, we want to lift up these needs, Floyd, and any other need that is represented in our midst, Father. We ask that you'll intervene. Where there's need for healing, send healing, Lord. Where there is need for restored hope, may hope be restored. Where there's need for comfort, send comfort. Where there's need for provision, send provision, Father. We thank you today that you are El Shaddai, the many-breasted one, the one that nourishes in so many ways. And so we pray that you'll provide nourishment to your people, Father, in whatever form it's needed. And that at the end of the day, that we will give you praise for you have been a good God. We thank you today for your word. May your word, Father, penetrate hearts and minds. May your word convict, Father, and correct, Father. May your word propel us to holiness. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Father's Day to the fathers. Uh, it's good, uh, glad to have you here. I, I see that we have quite a few in the house, and we probably have some mothers who consider themselves to be fathers as well. So, happy Father's Day to you as well. <laughs> okay, I want to start with a question. And my question is, when you think of your dad, what's the first thing that comes to mind? When you think of your dad, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Love. Thank you. And we're going to have Tyler put it up on the screen. Love. Thank you. Anybody else? When you think of your dad, what comes to mind? And it doesn't have to be good. It's okay if it's good, but it doesn't have to be because not all of us have good reports of our dads. What comes to mind? Imperfect. Thank you. 
Anybody else? Discipline. Oh, go ahead. Very good. I like... That could mean many things, huh? Discipline. I love that. Very good. Who's next? Anybody else? Give me two more. All right. Okay. I know everybody want to talk. Let's do it one at a time. I'm joking. Sorry, guys. Who's next? Who was that? Provider. Very good. I like that. And there was one more over here. Hard working. Somebody said hard working earlier. And I, uh, what did I say? Heartbreaking. <laughs> so I need, I need to get my ears cleaned. <laughs> okay, so these are some things that represent our fathers. And for, for today, I want to talk a little bit on the topic, what will they remember? This is what you remember of your dads. What will your kids remember? What will your grandkids or your great, 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 great grandkids, what will your offspring remember when they think of you? Now, I'm a, I'm a fan of legacy because legacy is important. Because the thing is, none of us were put here just for our season. We're here to make sure that the next generation successfully receives the baton. Okay? Okay? And Father's Day is one of these days that we have to think about things like these. And so I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 and it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline, like Lauren said, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Very, very amazing verse. Very good verse. A verse that is packed with so much. Today I want to know three things that I see in it. It talks, it gives an address. It talks to the fathers. And secondly, it says, it gives a negative command. It says, do not provoke your children. And then the third thing it says is, it, there is a positive command listed here. And it says, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So the Greek word that is used here. Uh, when it says father, when it's making the address, it's the word that they call pater. And, and we've, uh, we've heard that paternity and all that. That's the same word. That's where it comes from, pater. Now, the word that is used here, some people may say it's referring to both mothers and fathers. Uh, but, 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 but while I know it could be used like that, like it's been used in Hebrews chapter 11, it was used like that when Moses' parents says, but by faith, when he was born, was hidden for three days, three months by his parents. The word that is used there is pater. But I beg to differ from some individuals. They may think that this means parents. While God, God, God is talking to the parents, I think Paul is specifically talking to the fathers here. I, how do I know that? Because in verse 1, he uses parents. Okay, He says, Children, obey your parents. And the word that he used there is a little bit different. The word he uses there is gineos or gineos. That's the word he used there for parents. What he's saying is that I, when he said, oh, children, obey your parents, gineos, it clearly teaches that mothers as well as fathers are to be obeyed. But because he was speaking to a, a specific group of Ephesians followers and leaders here, he wanted to refer to the fathers because he knew that he had to talk to the leadership of the home. This word is, verse is applicable to both moms and dads. Because he wanted to say as the father or the dad or the husband is the head of the wife, the same as the father is the head of the home. 
And if the head gets it right, then guess what? It will trickle down. Okay? If the head gets it right, it will trickle. You see, the norm of society is to see father's role only as a provider and a protector. While this role is taught in scriptures, and where does it, it speaks about it? In 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 it says, But if anyone does not provide for his home, especially for his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I think the King James says he's an infidel. So the scripture is saying that the man, the father, needs to provide for his home, of course. But guess what? We've limited the father's role to a provider and a protector. When a dad is much more than that, scripture tells, it, tells us he's much more than that. Actually, the father is to be the spiritual head of the home. Not just to be the spiritual, not just to be the provider and the protector, the spiritual head of the home. And that's the place God wants us as men to take in our family. And I know we have a few that are not married in our midst today. And a few that are probably listening online. I'm talking to you as well. Because if you get this, when you shift into that role, you won't be playing a catch-up game. You'll already be there because you've learned it. And you've been preparing yourself for that role. The father is to be the spiritual head of the home. Generally speaking, man haven't lived up to a responsibility. As a result, our homes are falling apart. <laughs> our cities are falling apart. Our country is falling apart. Then he says, fathers, it addresses the fathers. And he says, do not provoke your children to anger. <laughs> the word used here, it means to irritate. If you look at a few of the verses, the same verse in a few of the contexts, like the NIV, it says, do not exasperate your children. Exas exasperate, probate, exasperate your children. In the Philip's New Testament Bible, it says, Do not overcorrect your children or make it difficult for them to obey the commandment. And you know that as parents sometimes we make it difficult because we sometimes we don't realize that they're little people. That they're just like us. And the same things that annoy us about them are the same things that we have in us. That's why it annoys us so much. Did you know that? Man, he reminds me of me. Yeah, good and bad. Fathers, we are commanded not to make it, make the practice of making our children, make it a practice of getting our children angry. How is it that I make my children angry? I could do that through excessive discipline, unreasonable harsh demands, abuse of my authority. Or by neglect, and sometimes, mind you, in the name of the Lord. I've seen it. I've seen it all, guys. But it's different depending on your child. The discipline for one child won't work, will not work for another child most times. Your child, each... Each, each child is specific. 
So you have to understand that child. It takes studying that child. And I said earlier that, guess what? I'm still trying to figure out who my kids are. I know some things. But I'm seeing things about them every day. I'm wondering, <laughs> is, is that Aria? Where did she get that attitude from? Hmm. Oh, where did AJ learn that, sm that snard, uh, that, that remark? still figuring out. The parallel passage in Colossians says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children as so that they will not lose heart. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 21, the word uses here, used here for exasperate is the same word as to provoke or irritate or to excite in a negative fashion or, or to embitter your child. This is the same idea in the text that we've been reading. Do not make them angry. Then he gives a reason for not making them angry. So that they will not lose heart. Did you know that your discipline could be so strong? Or your overcorrection could be so strong that you kill your child's spirit? I, I, I didn't say it. It's in the scriptures. That's where it's at. And Paul was talking to a, a group of people that needed to hear a word like this. And I'll tell you why shortly. And I think that in our society we need to hear it too. Because I think that sometimes we go through either extreme, too pessimistic, pessimist, uh, allowing everything, or we allow nothing. Child can't thrive like that. And as the church, we are called to set the example. <laughs> you know, God wants us to encourage our children. He wants us to praise them for what they do right. Constant criticism will discourage them. They may become disheartened in their attempts just to please their parents. I've heard of kids that have done degrees before and when they, they went and they did the degree and they took the certificate and they give it to the parents. Okay, I did this one for you. Now I'm going to do the one for myself. You're telling me all these years you didn't listen to your child? They did it for you, but that's not, that's not their leaning. That's not their gifting. So when the scripture says, train a child in the way to go, and I'm getting off script now. Actually, the scripture is asking you to observe your child. Okay. Mm. Oh, she, like, she likes art. Mm. And watch. That's what it's saying. It's not for you to come up with your idea for the child. That's not what... I. Actually, I looked at it again just to make sure. I didn't put it in my script because I wasn't planning to preach on it. But all it's saying is that observe your child. You pray and ask God and at the same time you're observing your child and see the child's bent or leaning and then lead them in that bent or leaning. That's what it says. So your job is not to make them fulfill your goals. I didn't get this degree, but you're going to have to get it. I had the baby just about when you I, I had you just about when i was planning to do it so you need to make sure you fulfill my dream no it doesn't work like that <laughs> but i i will point out something what paul was saying to fathers in this context when he was speaking it was very unique and it was very radical when he says do not provoke your children to anger this is not found in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh. It's not found in that. It's not found in the, uh, in, the, in the rabbinical literature. It's not found in it. 
So this guy's coming up with something that is not in the documents they read. <laughs> it was not a part of their household code. It was not the norm. <laughs> this was a radical com command in the Israelite world. Israel followed the patriarchal structure with the family having absolute control over his children. And even if Josh and Catherine got married and they decided to go live with Paul and Tony in, a, in, in, a, in, one of, in the Israelite setting, what would happen is that Paul would be the head of the home and Josh would have to follow whatever Paul says. That, that's how it was. So you have to understand the context that Paul was speaking to. In the Hellenistic Judaism home, in that context, parents were to children as God was to the world. Fathers had absolute authority. The father had the right to severely admonish as well as beat, degrade, and even lock up that child. And it was in, he was in the right to do that. What about that? The Roman world that Paul was speaking to. What about that? What was their context? Fathers in, the Ro in Rome had absolute authority over their families. So when the baby was born in a Roman family, they brought the baby before the father and they set the baby before the father. If the father picked up that child, then he means he accepted the child. But if he didn't pick up the child, you could sell the child, you could give away the child, you could leave the child out to die. That's how it was. Get, look with me, guys. This is the context that Paul was saying. Do not anger your child when they could do whatever they want to do. So this was radical. So might I interject and say something? That this concept, it's uniquely Christian. No other tradition had this. This was uniquely Christian. It's unique for us. Nowhere else in the world came up with this. So what is he saying to Christian fathers? Don't embitter your child. Don't push your child to the point of anger. Do not crush your child's spirit. Hey, guess what? I'm not just fathers. I'm talking to everybody. It's just because it's Father Day, Father's Day. I'm highlighting fathers. But he's talking to everybody. Do not. I was looking at some stats. Before I get to it, Paul begins his instruction to the fathers by showing that harsh treatment of a child is wrong. This is a new thing. It's new to the world that the child's feelings should be considered at all. Have you ever heard a child must be seen and not heard? You grew up like that, didn't you? Anybody heard that? If you, well, I grew up in Jamaica. I heard that. Must be seen, but that's not, that is not correct. A child must be heard. But a child must not be in control. They must be heard. So Paul goes on to say, his fathers, bring them up. 
<laughs> he uses this conjunction, but denotes a strong contrast from that negative thing that he said before. To now bring them up. The word that is used here is a strong word. And it's only the only other place you'll find it in the Bible is in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 29. The word means, when it says bring them up, it means to feed. It means to nurture, to nourish your children. Providing nurture, providing a climate for growth and development. If I was to put it in a context, we understand. Provide them an atmosphere where they can flourish. That's what he's saying. Are you providing the atmosphere for your kids to flourish? You see, we've been taught, and I'm, you know, maybe, maybe one or two fathers inside here doesn't even know what your kids like to eat because you've never been involved in the nourishing part of your kid's life. God is saying you should not be excluded from that. It's not just a woman's job. Whatever she's doing, she has to leave and come and do it when your hands are free. It's <laughs> I'm going to say something that probably is not, is, is, it probably not appreciated. Uh, <clears throat> while I understand that there are some things that a woman's leaning is more inclined to in the house, I don't know if there's any responsibility in the house that's just a woman's job. Honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know that. And I don't think that's true. The US, U.S. Department of Justice in an article published May 24, 2019 reports this. Children from fatherless homes account for 90% of all homeless and runaway youth. 85% of children that exhibit behavioral disorders 71% of all high school dropout. 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers. 75% of all rapists motivated by displaced anger. Do I need to stop and mention how significant it is for a, pa a father or a man to carry his weight in his home. I don't need to emphasize that. The stats tells us. Pastor shared last week how significant it is, how, 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 many, how many kids remain in church just because their father is coming. God wasn't making a mistake when he said you are the head. He knows. He knows the power and the influence he put in you. He knows the authority placed in us. So why should we let down God when God have all the confidence in the world in us? Why, why should we let him down? He knows it's not just through our strength. He knows that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. But he has the confidence that you could do it. That little Gabriel will follow as long as daddy leads. Huh? Yeah, he knows that. He knows that it may take some time, but once Victor is standing and walking right, that his son may come because daddy's doing it. It's not a science. It doesn't always happen. But it's a higher likelihood of it happening if the man walks the way he's supposed to walk. And guess what? The wife feels good too because she don't have to do it. 
wives have been carrying it for years, holding it up, just like Moses' wife had to hold up or else Moses would be dead. Ladies have to be holding up the temple, holding up the frame, because we are out of place. But thanks for holding it, ladies. We're going to get in place. We're getting in place. Fathers bear a special responsibility for the moral life of his family. It says, and fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 4, 6 verse 4. It says, in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Greek word used here means tutorage, education, training. By implication, disciplinary correction. The term, it's signifying whatever parents and teachers do to train, correct, cultivate, and educate children in order to help them develop and mature as they ought. Whatever it requires. See, it is used of the Lord's training of his children so that they may share in his holiness. It's the same word he used so that we could experience his holiness. So what is he saying? Training sometimes, discipline sometimes will not be sweet. It says, he who, who withholds the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Proverbs 3.24 And the other one that we all know, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by this discipline, I'm not talking about abuse, guys. Talk about discipline. Yet to those who have been trained by this discipline, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Just like he wants to form in us holiness. That was Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11. See, too many Christian parents relinquish our responsibility, psychologists and counselors. And all they're trying to do is to fill the gap that we didn't carry. How is it that your child is misbehaving and you, and you, and you? And you. It's okay, Verna, it's okay. I know you're a child, it's okay. It's okay. No, it's wrong. Stop it. It's wrong. Stop it. Because if you don't do it, the parole officer will be doing it. I'm not talking about abuse. Guys, I'm not talking about abuse. I'm talking about discipline. Make sure you're correcting the behavior. <coughs> And he said, we need to do this. In the Lord. You see, the correction, God wants us to use our word, use his word as a standard. <laughs> you see, we sometimes we look at the scriptures and we think that it's not enough. He said, he said the scripture provides everything we need. For life and godliness. 
You're telling me that he was telling us, hey, guess what? It's not sufficient for parenting. No! Hey, I'm not talking like I've gotten it. I'm still on the journey. I'm trying to get it too. But guess what? All of us are going to try to get it together. I'm still, I'm still figuring it out. It says, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. The father must make sure that he that they have learned and follow biblical doctrines. This has to be the duty of parents and especially the fathers. Because throughout the history we have seen that. Let's see what the Bible says. And, and Tyler will turn, will turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's see what the scripture says. Because it's not just my words. This is, this is it. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You cannot impart what you do not possess. If you are not walking in submission to the word of God, you can't expect your kids to do the same. You can't expect your, your offsprings to do the same. So God is setting it up. He said, guess what? Make sure you are walking in submission to my word. Because when you do that, it becomes easier for your child to walk in submission to my word. And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 37 and onwards. This is the heart of Christianity. Love the Lord. Love our neighbors. Deuteronomy 6. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Fathers, this is where it starts. These truths must be on our hearts. There is no way around it. We're living in a microwave generation and we think that things could happen quickly. Guess what? No, no. This is one of those things that you have to go through the grind. You can't, it can't be over it. It can't be around it. You have to go through it. And he said, he said that he will give you what you need to get through it successfully. You know, I told him the scriptures, but have you lived it? <laughs> most things are caught not taught that's a very important thing for us to realize that we teach our children more through example than we do through our words I think the words of the apostle Paul to the Philippians should be memorized by all of us fathers in, in Philippians 4 verse 9 it says the, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Listen to that. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen. That is the teaching strategy, dads. They must learn it, receive it, hear it, and see it. Consistency. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Dads, parents, this should be your motto. Dads, moms, this should be your motto. Do as I do. Watch me, children, and whatever you see me do, you do the same thing. <laughs> Does it scare you? Huh? Seth? Does it scare you? 
It scares me too. Because guess what? I have to be in line because they're always watching. Whether, hey, you know, you know, did you know that what's going on in the spiritual realm in your home is bigger than what you're seeing in the physical? So though you're in a room and the door is closed and the kids didn't see it and they, they're repeating that behavior because there's spiritual authority in your home. So you, they may not have seen it, but it happens in your home. So you know what? There are certain things I don't allow in my home. Even though I'm a grown-up, I'm an adult, I don't allow it in my home. Is that my timer? Give me a few more minutes. Moses told the fathers the truths of the word of God. And it needs to be on their heart when he said, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. Remember, he, told, he set it up first and said, you make sure you have it. Then he says, you, in verse 7 to 9 in Deuteronomy chapter 6, says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and you shall talk to them when you sit in the house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them on the signs on their hand and they shall be on their uh, frontals, on their forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost. What is it saying? It says a whole lot, but what is it saying? It says every minute with your kids is a teachable moment. One hour of church per week doesn't do it. Your devotional time at home doesn't do it. It's when you walk around and see what you're doing. It's the same thing that Jesus did with his disciples. Did you know that? They, they, they could have just showed up to church every day and said, Jesus, check in. But no, he realized that they had to be with him consistently. They have to see him, see what he does when he's irritated, when he's annoyed, how does he behave? When he gets angry, how does he deal with it? Because Jesus got angry too. He's human. He was human. He was God, fully God, fully human. We must teach our children the word of God. You can't build a spiritually strong family by just coming to church an hour. Moses said, talk to them when you sit in the house. The idea here is that all of life is a whiteboard that you use to teach your children the truths of God. So when your kids go to college, they'll understand how to apply the word to their problems. And that's one of the challenges we're having now. We have kids who are going to college and lose their faith because they didn't know how to apply the word to problems. When they're sick, they call unto the Lord, but they didn't know that because you never did it. You never taught it to them. This is our responsibility to make sure that we apply the word to every situation in their life. Okay, you see this behavioral problem you're having? This is, how, this is how the scriptures talks about it. And guess what? I understand that you're young, you're going to still have it. But even in the midst of that, I want you to be praying and trusting God because God is going to... Hey, I was the same. That's the, that's the point of vulnerability now. Vulnerability. Let them know. I was there. And the word of God helped me. Because they need it. A survey that came out a few years ago Reveal that the average five-year-old spends 25 minutes per week in close interaction with his father. 25 minutes a week. By age 18, it's less than three weeks that child would have spent with his, with his father. 
Do you think three and a half minutes a day can do, can do anything for a child? I read this prayer by Jeff. Jeff read this prayer. He says, Dear God, my dad works all the time. He's never home. He gives me money and lots of toys, but I hardly ever see him. I love him and wish he could not work all the time so I could see him more. Is that your child's prayer? Are you busy making sure that your child is, is set financially, but spiritually they're rocking? What can you cut back on so they could get more of you? Can you live with 20% less? And so your child could get more of you? Charles Francis Adams, 19th century um, political figure, kept a diary. One day he, he entered in his diary, I went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary. And in, on that same day, Brooke Adams made his, this entry, went fishing with my dad today. It was the most wonderful day of my life. That's his son evaluation of time with daddy. Daddy, wasted day. Son, the most amazing time of my life. We need to... I'm winding down. When we are spending time with our children... What are we to teach them? We must show our children that the Bible is the most important book in our lives. And that it contains the answers to life's greatest questions. We need to train them how to deal with life's trials in a spirit of submission to the sovereignty of the Father. We need to train them how to handle their emotions. How to relate lovingly to others. How to work through disagreements and conflicts in a godly way. How to discipline and use their time. How to work hard. How to be good stewards of money and possession. That God entrusts to them. And every other skills that they will need as mature adults. It's, it's necessary dads. It's necessary parents. So let me give you a, a, few, uh, a couple of important things that a father can do to build a strong relationship with his children. One. A father must demonstrate an ongoing love to his wife. Hey, fathers, the best thing you can do is to give your children a loving demonstration before their very eyes of how much you love their mom. You can't be mis mis mistreating your wife and expect your kids to be respectful to them. No! They're seeing you doing it. They're going to do it. When you are there, make sure that you understand that they need to respect their mom in your presence and in your absence or else hell is going to break loose when you're not in the house mom hey your mom's voice is the same as mine okay no it's not the truth it won't happen God designed it the way that it won't happen but you need to let them know Mom's voice is the same as mine. They'll probably, if, if you're anything like, if, if your kid is, child is anything like AJ, will say, but daddy, mommy's voice is not as rough as yours. That, 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 that's AJ. So husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 5.25. Now there's one other thing I put in. See, you see, 
Your love for your spouse can be reflected by your personal involvement in the affairs and the chores of your home. You see, many of us, we grew up in a time when the man just go out and work and come back home and put up his legs on the center table or whatever you call it and pull his newspaper or, or maybe his iPad and just read because they probably don't use newspaper anymore. They probably use the iPad to get the news or, or the phone, read the news. And sit down and relax. Guys, that is... Guys, that... I'm trying to find the softest way to say it. Love gives. Okay? Love does. For God so loved the world he gave. There is no way you should be sitting there while your wife is working herself to death. It doesn't make any sense. There's nothing about that that reflects love. Neither should it be the other way either. No, it doesn't happen much. But neither should it be the other way. Okay? It is both your homes. And so guess what? Share the responsibility. There's nothing, I said, there's nothing that I know in my home that's called a woman's responsibility. I, I can do laundry, yeah. No. Can you cook? No. Probably learn. Learn to cook. Can you clean? No. Let her teach you how to clean. If both of you are working, why should she come home and do all the work? Another thing too. Did you know the hardest, hardest job I've seen in the world is a stay-home mom's job? Do you know that? Try be, hey, Mike? Oh, Mike is not here. Mike was a stay-home dad for a little bit. I mean, guys, guys, it, it's something we need to think about. Okay? We have to think about it. And the second thing, keep your words. One more thing that you really need to do. You have to keep your word to your kids. You got to keep your word. What kind of relationship can you have with your children if you don't keep your promises to them? I understand that sometimes you may not be able to make it. That's a given. But all the time? Because everybody else is more important than your child. You could break all your appointments with your kid for somebody else. Spoke, talking to one of my friends earlier this week and he said and he, you know he, he's a, he helps with a, a pastoral job every now and then as a co-pastor in a church he says that whenever he schedules something with his kids it doesn't matter what gig comes up he's going to look on the schedule has something scheduled with his wife and his family it's not changing if you don't if, if you can if you can do without changing it do without changing it because guess what they'll remember it that daddy put me first A lot more I could say. Let me finalize. So, I'll ask the same question I asked originally, but I'll put a spin on it. Can you put those back up for me, Tyler? The comments we had earlier. What will your offsprings remember when they think of you? Let me tell you about some people in the Bible. Eli's offspring... Remember how spineless he was. His sons remember how spineless he was. If you know anything about the story, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 29, it says, God says, why did you kick... No, sorry, verse, uh, verse 3, verse 13 says, 
For I have told him that, tell Eli, told Eli that I'm about to judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knew, he knew. Because his sons brought a curse on themselves and he did not rebuke them. Do you want to be like he, Eli? You did not rebuke. You didn't correct your child. You were so, you're so, so free with them. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> you laugh about it too. They're disrespectful and you laugh about it. No! Correct it. See what happened to Eli's house? You know the story. Pastor preached about it a few weeks ago. How about David? What do you think David's offering said? David was an amazing leader. Call him a man after God's own heart, actually. But did you know he was a terrible dad? He was an amazing leader. Won battles. Everybody else saw him as a hero. But you think his kids saw him as a hero? He was absent. You can't raise a child when you're not present. There's no way to raise a child when you're not present. Zoom doesn't work for raising kids. David's firstborn, Amnon, was a rapist. Secondborn, Absalom, usurp his, his, uh, usurp his throne, slept with his wives. His fourthborn, Adonijah, usurp his brother Solomon. Seventhborn, Solomon, wisest man. But he broke, he broke the laws of God so many times. You know Jonadab? Jonadab is known, if you think about Jonadab and the Reco Rechabites, you'll see that in 2 Kings chapter 10. He would be, he's going to be remembered as a man who's a respected father whose children obeyed him. We, any, if we know anything about Job, Job's offspring is going to remember him as a dad who was involved with them socially and prayed for them spiritually. So how will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? As said, and the team comes, and I, I, I close here. About last week, it was sometime last week, that I was out in the morning, kind of walking, and you know, listening to the scriptures. And you're listening to the scriptures, you hear some, and some of it you don't hear. Okay, that, that's, I mean, just be honest. I mean, you don't hear everything, because you're walking, and something distracts you on the road. And, but I heard this verse in First Chronicles chapter 6. And if Tyler could put it up for me, please. First Chronicles chapter 6, verse 33. It's a very simple thing. There's a whole lot more about it, but I don't have that time to read all of it. I'm going to bring up this. It says, so David selected leaders in the musicians and worshipers in the church. And he selected them to, to serve in the sanctuary and all of that. And then this verse comes and it says, these were those who served with their sons. From the sons of Kohathite were such and it goes on and it lists 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 do you think when your child reflects or your grandkid reflect do you think they'll be able to reflect that they actually worked alongside you in the work of the Lord huh? this verse has lodged in me since I read it these sons were worshipping alongside their parents in the house of God they didn't leave them behind but they trained them in the ways of the Lord and guess what I'm sure there were some pull and tug along the way but they were comfortable enough 
to say, hey, Daddy, I don't feel good about this. Daddy will say, okay, let's stop for a little bit and talk about it, and then let's keep going. So my question to you today, what will your kids remember when they think about you? Or what will your great-grandkids remember when they think about you? Or maybe your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandkids remember. Will they remember that you gave them a legacy that allowed them to find their place in the kingdom of God? I want to pray for the fathers here today. I want to pray for the families. But I want to give you one minute just to meditate. Just think about what I just read. What I, what I just preached. Just think about it. Make a promise to God. Not to me. You make a promise to God. Now you don't have to. But if you feel like this connects, make a promise to God.